is that all men will know him, the only true God. Are we together now? Come on, let's talk together. You know that when you come to CFT, apostles talk to you as if that is my last opportunity and then I die. So that my, my voice will echo in your heart. And if I die, I will go before God and say, I told them. That's the way I teach you. And if any minister doesn't do that, that minister is a fraud. Now, the things I taught you this, this week, I've never taught it in all the 150 lectures I've taken you through. And what we have looked at is each writer of the gospel. Not in the theological dimension. Can you get your master volume down, please? Not in your theological dimension. Because theologians, when you go to Bible school, they teach you all this stuff. And what they teach you in Bible school is about philosophical thoughts about these things. And they will not give you a conclusive idea. Or we think some thoughts, the reason why they wrote this is because of this. Some have this view on that. But that's not what I taught you. I taught you how to dig information from the Holy Spirit. So that you can read any part of the Bible and understand it. That's what I did this week. So therefore, we're going to discuss it. Then I'll take you into some deeper stuff this morning. Uh, can I say something to you? When I was in Germany, somebody phoned me from this church, this branch. And told me something that is alarming. I was in the airport going last Sunday. Uh, last week, uh, whatever, Thursday or so. And my telephone rang. And the woman said, Apostle, I have a serious issue. I said, what is it? She said, so a woman came to my shop to buy clothes. And the woman said, I want to buy white headgear, white uh, top, white uh, gown, white, you know, mantle or whatever. Everything is white. And she said, look. You don't just wear white, 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 white. You should mix it with maybe blue or red to make it, you know, that's what people do. He said, you know, we want to buy for a group uniform. And she said, no. And the woman said, no, that's what we wear. Oh, she said, who are you then? She said, we are Satan worshippers. A black lady, a Nigerian lady. She said, Satan worshippers? Okay, I'm interested in that. So why are you wearing white? She said that is what we used to sell to worship him. Ah, she said the, the, then, have you heard about Jesus? She said yes, I'm a Christian. Don't be alarmed. There is something I want you to understand. She said which Christian, which church did you go? She mentioned Pentecostal churches. She began her life as a Roman Catholic. Then she moved to Pentecostal church. Some of the Pentecostal churches, if I mention their names, all of you will know them. Okay? She spent nine years in a church down the road here, very close to us. She spent more than four or five years in another church. She had been to many Pentecostal churches. Now, this is a danger. Some of them could come here and sit by you. And they can be even in departments, but they are agents. That's the first thing that you must get clear in your mind. The church is not meant for righteous people. Righteous people come. People who come to test the power of God come. And people who are fed up of Satan and they are looking for help. Those are the three people that come to church. 
That's the reason why if you claim to be born again and you take God for levity, it's a great danger. Very great danger. I tell you. I beg you to believe what I tell you. You know, many people in church get into various problems that should not happen to Christians. Pray, 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 and they are defeated because of ignorance. So she said, the woman, she now told the woman that, now tell me what you know about you. He, he, he said, why did you serve Satan? He said, Satan is good. He said, because Satan, when I, he said, when I was a Pentecostal Christian and Roman Catholic, when people do bad to me, they go away with it. Now I am serving Satan. If anybody do bad to me, Satan will deal with him immediately. To her, that is good. That she can take revenge. When Jesus spoke and talked about people who will come to him and say, Lord, I know you. I'm, I'm part of you. And I say, I know you not. Some of us don't understand it deeply. Not everybody who called me Lord, Lord, Jesus said, will enter the kingdom of my Father. From priesthood to the church, there are many who are not really going to heaven. But that's the reason why those of us who are pure in our hearts, if you know that you don't have any other thing that you are serving, and you know that you don't have any other God you are serving, you better serve God properly. Now, that woman is facing a woman now. Who, are, who Anything you tell you about Jesus, she will tell you more, even more. Maybe than you know. And she wants to get her converted. How will you convert a person who knows what you already know? So you have to know better. That's the reason why you must not miss any service. This house of God is to inform you. You know one of the things that those people who have Satan said? Say, what are you talking? Satan came from Jesus. Because in my dialect, Jesus is J-E-S-U. Okay? And Satan is E-S-U. Remove the J. The rest of it is issue. So, and they say that, what are you talking about? Jesus is J-E-S-U. And Satan is, remove the J, and the rest of his name is Satan. And they use that to acclaim that Satan is from Jesus. Now, if you are told that as a Christian, what will you say? So, you have to know who Jesus truly is. And you have to know what the devil is, as Jesus has said it. And we only know that deeply through Jesus' seminar. Your seminar is not a meeting for breakthrough or, you know, or prosperity. It's a meeting to equip you so that you have information. What about a, a Muslim person come to you and say to you that all the gospel are confessionists? That is what they say. They will tell you that, look at the record of Mark. It's different from the record of Luke. It's different from the record of, of um, Matthew. And it's very from John. And if you don't know what I'm teaching you, you will soon deny God when you meet those guys. They have half knowledge, but they pervert it. Now, someone who has half knowledge and knows it very well, and perversion very well, talking to you who just don't understand what they are saying, you will soon say that ah, that is true, really. You will reason with them. And before you know it, you are out of salvation. I'm saying this because we are going to a new year. Don't take God lightly anymore. Take God more serious than your work. Take Him more serious than your success in any aspiration you have in life. Really, 
Next year will be terrible. I told you. There will be so much chaos and calamity. And really all, all the meetings I've been having with you. Suddenly God will begin to speak to me about the new year. And those things he has said. I can't repeat them again. But those who are in those meetings. Are, they have understanding. They have knowledge. They can prepare towards it. We are going to see terrible times. This year was bad. Alright. With all this killing, uprising, nation fighting, bombing, and suddenly another one will rise up somewhere, people slaughter. There is a, a video sent to me, uh, a link sent to me two days ago. I can't let you see it. Because some of you will not be able to sleep. You know the Boko Haram of Nigeria? They arrested some Nigerians last month. They've killed all of them. And they sent the video of how they killed them. They send the video. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. You will not. If you didn't see it, you you will not give you any emotional problem. They put tied the hands of those people backwards and tied it violently. That dislocates their shoulders. And they stood them beside the bridge, one after the other. And they will take one. They will lead him to the bridge, push him to the ground, and push his head towards the river. And they would take a gun and shoot his head to pieces. Then they would push his body into the river. They would go and carry the other one. Now all others are standing, seeing how they are killing them. You know something? If they told you five years ago, what I've told all of you seven, ten years ago, about this thing happening in Nigeria, it seemed as if I'm talking nonsense. I told them in Nigeria about ten years plus ago, for one whole year, I was shouting all over my television program in Nigeria. I see this evil spirit came in. These people came in. They are foreigners. And they are killing your children. And they killed you to the southern part of the nation. And I told, the Lord told the church of Nigeria what to do to prevent it. They refused to listen. Because they love pleasure. No more pleasure for Nigeria. At that time, some people are saying, Ah, Nigeria, you know, the Nigerian army can't ordinary pocket of human beings disbalanced the whole army of Nigeria and made them into stupid army. Not only that now, they are now taking territories. And we now know that Nigerian government is just empty barrel. The Nigerian army is army in Africa. Which Africa? Ordinary selected vagabonds held the whole nation ransom and they killed your people. Which means that if any country in Africa attacked Nigeria, they would take over Nigeria. Why? Ezekiel, let me don't talk about that. I'll talk to you about that in the new year. They are priests, are thieves and rogues. In the new year, they will hear my voice in that nation. Now that what I said has happened, and all of them are confused. I see more terror coming into the midst of them. I see manifestation in the southern region. Lagos and all the eastern region scattered and confused. Blood and billows of fire. Smoke. Death in the nation. Such that the world has enough to handle that they will not be able to help Nigeria. Your families are there, some of you. Now, you know what? We can capture the enemy. 
we can destroy the powers of Satan. But the Bible says in Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people that are called by my name, when you say my people, they are the people who know the word of God, not those who go to church. People who live by the word of God, not those people who go to church. We must not play church any longer. Tell me what you know about the church you go. About the God you proclaim yourself. You don't know about him. You have no part in him. Full stop. We must not be deceived by Satan any longer. Muslims read. A man I was listening to his confession. He read Quran each day. Five times over. Hasn't got any job than to read Quran. Until one day Jesus appeared in his room. He was trained as a squad to kill. To maim believers. Anybody who is a Christian cut off his throat. That's what he was doing. For Iranian government. One day he finished reading the first, you know, you know, because five times a day they pray. He finished the first one, read the Quran from page to page. Suddenly a light shone in his room. He said nobody told him that he was his Lord. Jesus appeared in the light, called him by his name, and said, Why do you persecute me? He said the light was so blinding. This is not a dream. Physically. He begged for mercy. Instantly. The Lord told him that I have allowed you to know all these things in Islam. Because I want to use you as a vessel. Now go and tell them about me. From Iran as a military man. He got converted without any Christian preaching to him. And he started preaching Jesus. Now, did you not remember I told you that Jesus will personally appear to people around, around this Arab nation? Remember I told you this? Yeah, we have several of them now converted. converted. If people who serve Satan are so committed, you must be more committed. You see, all this, you know, we all appear good today, well-dressed and paint your face and stuff. There are some people who cannot do that in the morning. I was praying with my family when we came back home yesterday. We came back probably about uh, to 1 a.m. And I was saying in my prayer that there are some people who at this time, it was yesterday's night before we closed the service when I was praying with you that some people eat sorrow. Their food is sorrow. Their water is sorrow. Their air they breathe is sorrow. The garment they wear is sorrow. They have no peace because sorrow is all around them. I said to the Lord to have mercy and quell the fire of the devil. So therefore, you and I have no more time to be deceived or to deceive others because the time is so short. Now, let me just run this for you. We looked at four writers of the gospel. Mark, Luke, and, and John. Yes? Who was Matthew? His profession. He is a scribe. He is, the other name of Matthew is what? Levi. Levi. Write it down. Matthew is the beginning of the gospel. 
And Matthew wrote the scripture to who? To the Jews. What about Mark? Mark was a Gentile. Probably a Greek. And he wrote the scriptures to who? The Gentiles. What about Luke? A medical doctor. And he wrote the scriptures to who? Theophilus. Yes? Write it down. You are going to draw an exam on this. What about John? He was a fisherman. A disciple of Jesus Christ. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many of the four were disciples of Jesus? Two. Write it down. The first, Matthew, and the second, John. So, you have two eyewitnesses reports and two other reports from those who did not see Jesus Christ as a disciple. So, two Jews wrote and two Gentiles wrote about Jesus Christ. The first Jew, Matthew, wrote to Jews. How did we know that? Matthew 1.1 1, 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I told you how to understand the writings. One, you look at the introduction of a writing and you look at the conclusion of a writing. You can easily tell what the writing is about. When you understand the introduction and you understand the conclusion. In the introduction here, he spoke about son of David and son of Abraham. Why? Because he's about to write to people who claim to come from that genealogy. And everything that he wrote inside it, we checked it very critically. Jesus taught, I mean, Matthew wrote about the teachings of Jesus Christ, parables of Jesus Christ, all those philosophies and stuff. You find them in Matthew. So a believer needs to know Matthew so that you can understand how Jesus reasons. And you also and I can reason that way. He handled many social issues there. Marital issues he handled there. He handled, uh, you know, cultural issues and many things. In, in relevance to the kingdom of God. So that you and I can be balanced. Then, at the end of his message, what did he say? Matthew, ended of Matthew, what did Matthew say? I want someone to talk to me now. Go, make disciples of what? All nations. Which chapter is that in the Bible? 28, 19. Really from 18, it says, All powers in heaven have been given unto me. And 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Then, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, Now, let's look at our scriptures, and I want to ask you something. That scripture says, And teaching them to obey 
All I have commanded you. So you as a Christian, since you were born again, till this hour, Jesus says you should go and make disciples and you should teach them. How many have you taught? How many people have you picked up and you taught them about Jesus? All the days you have been born again. But these are the instructions Jesus gives everybody. Which when we see him, you will report, I will report. Do you have to be a pastor to teach about Jesus? What about the woman of Samaria? Which Bible school did she go? She met Jesus and the whole city got saved by her teaching. She testified about Jesus. And Bible said the whole city got saved. So we recognize therefore that he's not talking about pastoring. He's talking about you sharing your faith with somebody. Really, I was looking at the book of Mark, and one of the things I discovered that was the first message Jesus preached was repentance. And then the first person he called, Peter, he said, follow me, and I will what? So it means that the main purpose why Jesus saved you and I is for us to get others saved. Do we agree in that? Follow me, and... So it means that attachment to your following Jesus is for you to also produce. Look at the book of John also, confirmation of that. In John chapter 15, what does it say? Verse 1, 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Then he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Did you see that now? So if you and I are fruitless, we run a danger of being cut off by God from the church tree. You know something with this parable is that a person can still be coming to church, but he has been cut off by the Father. May that never happen to you. Because it says, if a branch does not produce fruit, Father cuts him off. So you can imagine in the church of God, people come to church every Sunday, come to church every Sunday, come, just come to church only. First year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, they did not lead one person to Christ. If you apply this scripture, the Father will cut them off. And the scripture is true. I will together now. We'll talk more deeply about that in the new year. If a branch that does not bear fruit, the Father cuts off. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So when you see somebody in the church, you are in the church and they came after you, before you know it, many things that you are not doing, they are doing it in church, and these guys are moving ahead in God, they can teach the word of God now, they didn't know anything when they came, you have been in church before them. Ah, something is wrong. The fact is that because they are fruitful in the little, God is pruning them back more. They are fruitful in the little, God is pruning them more. And things will happen for them quite easy. They can easily, you know, deal with situations. And you say you are more than them, you have been older than them in the Lord, and yet, if you bear fruit, the Father prunes you. Anyone who does not bear fruit, God does not prune. I would together now. This is what Jesus says. So, the purpose for your salvation is to bear fruit. Go back to Mark, therefore. 
So Mark began by saying, verse 1 in chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we see the introduction of Mark here. He's introducing the gospel, good news. The word gospel means good news. But he said the good news is not about anything, but about the Son of God. Jesus Christ being the Son of God. So the gospel of the kingdom is not how to make it in life. It's not a miracle. The gospel of the kingdom is not a miracle. The gospel of the kingdom is about the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that is what everybody must tell all who you meet. You cannot get salvation by teaching prosperity or by teaching miracles. You get salvation by introducing who Jesus is. Telling people who Jesus truly is. Like when a Muslim comes to you and says that, look, all your Bible is contradictory and, you know, your Bible is, uh, you know, uh, uh, not, you know, you know uh, is not um, uh, correlated. <laughs> and I say, who is Jesus? As a believer, if you will speak, you will reply them with the scriptures. Just introduction of the scriptures is enough to handle it. If you know the book of John, open the Bible and say, okay, read this. John 1 1, what does it say? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. He was with God. You must memorize this one too. You must know it off your mind. Do you know something I told you that if somebody, if a witch or a wizard, a satanist come to you and begin to cast spell on you, okay? If he says all this spell, the only thing you can do to dissolve it is John 1 1 2. When you speak it, Every word spoken to the atmosphere vanish. It's swallowed up. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. By him all things we have made, apart from it was nothing made. It's the origin of all words. And if you go down to verse 12, what does he say? Huh? As many who received the word. Yes. God gave them the power. And then what does verse 14 say? The word became and dwelt. So a Muslim man will understand that this word is Jesus Christ. The book of John is a book written to prove the validity and all the controversies around who Christ is, who God is. And John was called the disciple that Jesus loved. Because when Jesus sleep, he always put his head on Jesus' chest. You know, everybody sleeps together here in their plane and they are tired and it's just when Jesus is resting. What Jesus just see is that somebody came and slept vertically against him and put his head on the chest of Jesus Christ as pillow. And when Jesus sees that, it is John. 
Others don't have that relationship. But John was so close with Jesus Christ that, you know, he just, the, the guy just loved, I think he loved Jesus more than everybody. And Jesus permitted him to behave like a baby. No wonder he was the one who wrote the book of Revelation. You know, and the depth of knowledge God gave him is profound. It can't be compared with anybody. He's the one who told us about all what will happen in our time. And God wants you to love Jesus like that. God wants you to love Jesus Christ like that. Let me say this to you, church. So you can easily tell anyone about Jesus only if you know the scriptures. What about to those of you, if you look at the book of John now, five minutes I want to go out of John. We looked at Luke. I won't talk about that now. But go get the tape. And you will discover that Luke was an academician. If you want to talk to anybody who is intellectual, take Luke. You will finish him. Because Luke was intellectually written by a research doctor. And he began by saying in the first chapter of verse, verse, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among just as they were handed down to us by the eyewitnesses. So he was saying that, look, I'm not one of them. I didn't see him. I wasn't with him. But we have had many things said about him by those who why witnesses the apostles. And then he went further to say, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And I told you, every Christian, you have that heart. Investigate the Bible. And that's what we are talking about here. Read the scriptures and know it. You know, the Bible is the only thing that you can never fail when you do the test. When, if you can read, you will always pass. Because God will give you revelations about your life as you are reading it. And He will give you a revelation of Himself. The more of God you know, the more of you you unravel. You are a mystery. Everything that happened around you are mysterious. I will gather now. And for you to be able to understand the mystery of your life. You, none of you can tell me what will happen. If you live here right now, you don't know what will happen today, to the end of the day, apart from your program. You cannot tell. You cannot tell what will happen to a particular person in next year, two years, or three years' time. Somebody may look useless and miserable, and in three, four years' time, he is the most um, exalted. So if you mistreat somebody who is looking like a pauper among you now, and in five years time the person will be the one that you know really knows, has the connection and stuff, you won't be able to go to him, would you? Uh-huh. How can you understand the mystery around man? It's by understanding the mystery about God. And your eyes will open, you will know about men. If someone is lying to you and standing before you, you can't understand it. Because good liars... They, they speak better than good truth speakers. People who speak the truth just sit and they stop. But those who lie for truth, they will prove and explain and polish it that 
when you receive the package, you think it's gold, whereas it's just ashes inside it. But you need the insight to know between that. But the more of Christ you know, the easier you can unravel mystery of life. And so, be like this man. But you see, John, I don't have a right in all these books, but I lean to some more than others in different areas. Look at what John says. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And then he says that the word is, in him is life. The life is the light of man. And he says, the light that lightens everyone that comes to the world. He said, the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend or overcome it. And that tells us several things. If there is light of God in you, Satan cannot overcome you. Everyone who is born again have the light in them. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Satan cannot guess you anymore. He cannot understand anymore. Evidence of salvation is not profession. What you say in your mouth is different from salvation. Some of us may say that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And we may even serve in the church. We may even go to Bible college, be ordained as a bishop. But yet we are not saved. Yet we are not saved. What did Jesus say? It is the proof of salvation. By their fruits. So we have a lot in church who are not saved. But people like that must make sure they are saved. So to be born again is not just to say that I accept Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that God is Jesus from the dead, and I, I confess in my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That doesn't make you saved. Because confession, all that is confession. <laughs> have you not seen a good number of men who tell a woman I love you, but they didn't love the woman? Is that not so? I say, I really love you from my heart. Or women say to man, I really love you from my heart. But they are liars. They have ulterior motive. That tells you and I that confession is not salvation. Confession is supposed to be a, an aftermath of conversion. Conversion is what brings you salvation. If truly in your heart you are fed up of the world, and truly in your heart you said, I, I need Jesus, then your confession has sense and meaning. And how do we know such person? It will reflect in your behavior. It will reflect in the way you see things. From the day that you encounter Jesus Christ, people who used to know you before, they will say something is wrong with you. Or something has happened to your life. Because they will see the everyday changes. But somebody who claims to be in Christ and still live like a worldly person, you are nobody again at all. At all. You mustn't follow them to church. It's not a good thing. It's like somebody who followed them to university. They don't come out with any degree. And they used to tell the story of when I was in university, but show them what have you done with university? Nothing. Nothing. Because if they go to look for a job in that, in that career, if they interrogate them, they do nothing. So it's church. Your heart believes and your behavior changes. You will be a person who will not do many things because of Jesus Christ. Even sometimes that you feel like doing it, but how would they say now? I'm not a Christian. When I was not a Christian, I do this thing just like that. 
that I'm a Christian. How can a Christian do? Let me say that, that everybody who listens to me in church ought to become Christians. But it is possible for people to listen to me and still not be Christians. A Christian is somebody Christ-like in thinking, in action, and attitude. It's not someone who says, that, ah, you have pushed me to the world. There is no world to be pushed into. There is no world to be pushed into. A misbehavior is a deliberate action to contravene the law. I would together now. It's different from mistake. It's different from mistake. Listen to me. The Bible has told us clearly what not to do and what we should do as believers. Everything the Bible says don't do. If you do it, you are the only one who will regret. Am I lying? Has somebody here committed adultery and God suffered? A woman here slept with a man and God conceived. Alright? Live with a man who is not married to and God conceived. And after getting conceived, the man said, I'm not going to marry you. Is it God who now sorrow? Because that woman has been disappointed. Come on, answer me. But did God not tell you that you should not have sexual intercourse outside marriage? Did not tell you that you should wait to control yourself and be married before you open your nakedness to a man? Why did God say that? For God? No. For angels? No, for you, yes. If you disobey it, who suffers? It's you. It's you. Ah, no, 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 no. The pastor is talking rubbish. Rubbish will soon slap you. And then, pastor will not, pastor in his house will be enjoying himself and sleeping because he has finished his own. Really, I tell you, those who love you will soon forget about you. You are the only one who bear this car. Be at peace with all men and be holy, for without holy no man shall see God. And you decide to be fighting this, fighting that person, quarrel with that, quarrel with that. Who suffers it? It's you. In the days you need help, you can't go to the people you have quarreled with. Especially when you quarrel with them for just no reason. For some reasons where you just decide to be quarrelsome. And the Bible says that like a dripping rain that has no end is a quarrelsome woman. You have a good family. Instead of keep your family, you start quarreling with your husband until the man got fed up and threw you out of the window. Who suffers? It's you. Because when the man throws you away, even if the pastor put on collar and put on the cross and went to the man sanctimoniously that now I'm not coming as an ordinary man, I'm coming as a messenger of the most high God. The man will use God to beg the bishop that bishop, the God you serve, I use him to beg you. I can do anything, but for that woman to come to my house, God himself will not permit it. Isn't it? Whereas you don't want to be a woman like that. You want to live a happy home. You want to be able to raise your children. But with your own hand, you destroy your house. Who sleeps? Who has it? And when you are talking about that, Satan knows how to plan bad things and make it good. The moment he is making you behave like that, he will arrange another girl who will be like a saint. She may be real devil, but she'll be a good devil. And you understand what I'm saying now? And before you know it, that girl had done everything you cannot do. That girl will do everything. Before you know it, the girl, the man will begin to look at another place. And you tell the man, before they talk to the man, I say, it's too late. It's too late. 
I have seen men who say that, look, keep church. I won't come to church anymore. I hope you leave me alone. Because of the misconduct of a woman. Who claimed to be a believer. But if that woman had believed God and had behaved God, would that happen? So therefore, those of us who believe in him must behave like him. We must behave like him. I have to leave you guys. John will talk about it more on Christmas Day. But let me say this to you as an instruction. The Lord asked me in Germany, Son, what will become of you in 20 years? And he had never asked me such questions before. I said, Lord, 20 years. I'm preparing for the closure of the world for next year. So that we can all go to heaven. And the Lord said to me that, But for the mercy of the Father, if I tarry. Why hasn't Jesus come? It's because of all this evil happening. Jesus is begging God. Alright? God will have sent Jesus back. God is fed up of this present age. It is the Son that is pleading. There are many people who still need to be saved. Even the church is not ready. As I'm talking to you so, if God opened the heart of everybody here to show everybody, you'll be shocked at what you are saying. You'll be totally shocked. And if Jesus, if God does not hold mercy so that he will convert the heart of men, the death of Christ on the Calvary will be wasted. I would get that. And so the Lord asked me that, what, what, what about 20 years time? What have you put in place? I said nothing. He said, okay, go and tell my people. And I ask you, at 20 years to your age, how old will you be? And I said to the Lord, my daughter will be 51. Those who are in their 20s will be in their 40s. And I remember 25 years ago, 28 years ago, those who were with me, like Pastor Debbie, now Pastor Debbie, Pastor Sidney, they were just in their teenage and some of them early 20s. They can say, when they came to me 20 something years ago, they were just like some of these young ladies in their 21, 18. 19, today, they are in their 40s. And those who were about 30, today they are in their 50s. And those who met me in those days in their 50s, they are now in their 70s. Or 80s, some of them. Now, let me say this to you, therefore. The Lord told me to tell you, prepare your seed, your children now, for your old age. Invest in them, so that when you add 20 years to your life, they will be in good life. They won't be sorrow or headache to you. I would give that. Those of you who are in your 50s, you will be in 70s at that time. Those of you who are in your 60s, you will be in your 80s at that time. Invest into your seed. 
That's number one. Number two. Do you, when you retire, what will you earn? Pension? Then think about doing a product that will give you exponential return. Those of you who are working in salary, even those of you who are 20s, in 40 years' time, plan your life to be a director somewhere, a responsible person. You cannot be jumping from one company today, another company tomorrow, for 10 years of your life, you amount to nothing in life. Let me say this to you. If you look at your first five years after graduation, you may move carpet. But if you are moving, it should be that you have gone to a level here and you are going to a higher level where you are going. And that company you are going to have a broader base for you to go higher. You don't accept an offer because it's, it's more than other. Look for the future of the organization. Where can you reach there? Those of you who are in your 20s must think about when you are 40-something years, before you are 50, you must have paid your mortgage without owing a penny. I will together now. Some of you who are handy need to think about a business that you can do now, that in 20 years' time, it can be bringing you income without sweat. When we are coming in the car, we had just discussed this morning. My son mentioned that with my my wife mentioned about um, she saw the advert of this bed dreams, and my wife said that it's a bed as tall as this. I said yes, our bed is as tall. It's photographed that makes this one look big. Our bed is really better than this one. So my son said that oh, you know the man who designed who who they call dreams is from Cayman Island, and he mentioned the name of the company in Cayman Island. And that man is like, those of you in Nigeria, Vonobed. And that man is just like that in Kewanala, who drew bed. And the man came to England and started dreams. But dream is everywhere. He says he's the richest man in Cayman Island. So I now told my wife that, look, now, believers, this is how do people get visions that become big? By thinking. You just don't go every day. You are going to work your honey salary. One day they will send you away from that place. If you don't want to leave, they will retire you. If you don't want to leave, you will get to an automatic age that you have to leave. Once you hit that age, automatic, you are disclosed. They are dissolved. You have to just leave. Because other people are growing and the young shall grow. And if we put old men, old people in all over the whole place, where would the young one go up? And as the young one is coming up too, they are telling him that you have 10 years more to go, 5 years more to go, 2 years more to go, 2 months to go, they, they, they terminate your appointment. Now, when that happens to you, what will you feed on for the rest of your life? You don't feed on grace, oh. you feed on work. And Lord told me to tell you, think about this. I will talk to you more about this one before the end of this year. You can think and you can start. Sometimes we have big dreams. It's a good thing to have big dreams. What I'm telling you now, you're talking about 20 years now. From today, what you will do to achieve this in 20 years. Okay? But let me say this to you. While you have big dreams, you want to be a PLC, good. That's what I want to be. But if you want to be a PLC, show me your corner shop. 
that you are running now. PSC don't come by dream. It come by somebody starting selling. I want to be manufacturing books. Okay? I did four books today. And I sold four books. I have started. I took my four books. I made ten books out of it. I sold ten books. It's increased. A man like that, one day, we have books of billions across network in the, country, in the whole world. But I want to start a bookshop. I want to beat PLC. And I did a big projection for PLC. And I'm doing nothing. First year, second year, third year. I'm deceiving myself. I would mean that. Because the race of 20 years begins from a milestone. And if I don't take that first step, I will not take the second step. And I cannot stay. If I, everything that you did not start anything about four years ago till today, you are still what you were four years ago. Those who decided to start something have finished it four years ago. A year, some finished. Two years, others finished. Four years, others finished. When we say that I'm going to do something six years, six years look like a long time. You will soon be over. Six years soon be over. And if you didn't take a step towards it, those who took steps towards it, you just discovered that six years they've earned it. And that earning will make their income better. It will make their life more comfortable. Come on, man. 20 years today, how old will you be? What you are doing today, how will that reflect in it? Know that it will reflect. So, if you change your seed today, you will have a better harvest for tomorrow. That is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's stand upon our feet. Upon our feet. Upon our feet.